0: So, we're going to look at Genesis chapter 18 today. There's two uh, stories, two events. I don't like to use the word story because sometimes story sounds like it's fiction. It's not fiction. But there's two events in Genesis 18, and uh, we're going to see if we can work our way through both of them. It's really one main event as Abraham is visited by God and... A couple of other I'm sure they were angels they're often described as men in the translation that we see here but uh, let's read Genesis chapter 18 the chapter and it's a little long so if you're reading and you want to stop you know how to do that and somebody else can just pick it up so looking for a volunteer to read Genesis chapter 18 Who would like to do that for us? You got it? No, you're talking to her. See, nobody will make eye contact for just a minute here because it's a long chapter. But that's, that's all right. Read it for us. Thank you.
1: And the Lord appeared to him by the oaks of Mamre as he sat at the door of his tent in the heat of the day. He lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing in front of him. When he saw them he ran from the door of his tent to meet them, and bowed himself to the earth, and said, O Lord, if I have found favour in your sight, do not pass by your servant. Let a little water be brought, and wash your feet, and rest yourselves under the tree, while I bring a morsel of bread, that you may refresh yourselves, and after that you may pass on, since you have come to your servant. So they said, Do as you have said. And Abraham went quickly into the <clears throat> tent to Sarah, and and said, Quick, three sias of fine flour, knead it, and make cakes. And Abraham ran to the herd and took a calf, a tender and good, tender and good, and gave it to a young man to prepare it quickly. Then he took curds and milk and the calf that he had prepared and set it before them. And he stood by them under the tree while they ate. <clears throat> they said to him, Where is your wife? Where is Sarah, your wife? And he said, She is in the tent. And the Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent door behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in years. The way of women had ceased to be with Sarah. So Sarah laughed to herself, saying, After I am worn out, and my Lord is old, shall I have this pleasure? The Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you about this time next year, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied it, saying, I didn't laugh, for she was afraid. And he said, no, but you did laugh. When the men set out from there, they looked down towards Sodom, and Abraham went with them to set them on their way. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I am about to do, seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed by him? For I have chosen him, that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice, So that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has promised him. Then the Lord said, Because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and their sin is very grave, I will go down to see whether they have done altogether according to the outcry that has come to me. And if not, I will know. So the men turned from there and went to Sodom. But Abraham still stood before the Lord. Then Abraham drew near and said, Will you indeed sweep away the righteous with the wicked? Suppose there are fifty righteous within the city. Will you then sweep away the place and not spare it for fifty righteous who are in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing, to put the righteous to death with the wicked, so that the righteous so that the righteous fare as the wicked. Far be it from you. Shall not the judge of all the earth do what is just? And the Lord said, If I find at Sodom 50 righteous in the city, I will spare the whole place for their sake. Abraham answered and said, Behold, I have undertaken to speak to the Lord, but who am I I but dust and ashes? Suppose five of the 50 righteous are lacking. Will you destroy the city for a lack of five? And he said, I will not destroy it if I find 45 there. Again, he spoke to him and said, Suppose 40 are found there. He answered, For the sake of forty, I will not do it. And then he said, Oh, let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak. Suppose thirty are found there. He answered, I will not do it if I find thirty. He said, Behold, I have undertaken to speak to the Lord. Suppose twenty are found there. He answered, For for the sake of twenty, I will not destroy it. Then he said, Let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak again, but this once. If those ten are found there, he answered for the seed ten, I will not destroy it. And the Lord went his way when he had finished speaking to Abraham, and Abraham returned to his
0: place. All right, thank you, I appreciate that. So last time we saw Abraham started out as Abram, was 99 years old, and uh, God made it clear a child would be born to Sarai. And, of course, her name became Sarah during last week's lesson. And, uh, of course, a year later, here's Isaac coming. And it's made clear that, no, Ishmael's not the child of the promise, but indeed Isaac is. But Ishmael still is promised to be the father of many, but not the child of the promise, not the covenant child. And so also last week, God instituted circumcision as the sign of the covenant and as a part of the covenant for Abraham mm-hmm. to keep. And so then we come to what we just read in Genesis 18 and it starts out in verse 1 with the Lord appeared to Abraham, who was by the oaks of Mamre, so he's home, that's where his home was, and he's sitting in the door of the tent in the heat of the day. So what time was it probably about, give or take? Yeah, 3 o'clock, 2 o'clock, noon, something. But so the day's fairly well progressed when all this is starting. And Abraham, Abraham looks up and he sees three men standing there and he ran from the tor- tent door to meet him and what does he say? <coughs> what does he say to these men? Yeah, and he offers to feed them and say, you know, you can go then after you've refreshed and you've visited with this with with your servant, meaning himself. Now, there's some key ways that every translation does it. The New American Standard uses the capital L-O-R-D all in caps. Uh, But you don't see that there, do you? So when he says, my Lord, what 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 can we infer from that? Based on the key, the, the coding of the text by your version, however it's done. Angel well, angel, messenger, it could even be so low as just a way to show honor to visitors. My Lord, you're, you know, it's just saying, I'm going to serve you, um, I'm going to treat you as, a, as an important person. So it, it's, it, it doesn't mean that right now Abraham is thinking by the words that are trans that are given to us here that it is definitely God. But for whatever reason, uh, Abraham is really desiring these folks to stop in. And and I think we'd be remiss if we went too far with that, because Abraham might well be thinking, I, I get the idea these might be messengers from God. I mean, we don't know what he was thinking, we just know that the word he used wasn't, oh Lord God most high, it wasn't, <coughs> It wasn't that word, and so uh, he says, "If you know, if you favor me, I'd like to see you not go on by, but stop and visit." And so, what he wanted to do? What did he want to do for these men? What does he tell them he wants to do?
2: Wants to give them a drink of water, bathe their feet, refresh <clears throat> them.
0: Yeah, water, and what else does he say he's going to bring? Brad. Brad, now he, he he in reality does more than that, doesn't he? So what's important about washing the feet? Why is mm-hmm. that a part of refreshing travelers in this era particularly?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It, yeah, it's, it's I mean, and their primary mode of transportation is either animals or walking, and so they get dirty and. Uh, dry probably and uh, dust and so they're ready to ready washing the feet was a big part of getting rested up from travel and so he says yeah let's wash your feet we'll bring you bread and so uh, that all occurs there through verse 55 and Abraham in a hurry in verse 6 goes to Sarah and what does he say?
2: bread.
0: Yeah um, so in a sense, if we look at this passage, Abraham is not like, unlike the rest of us. He said, let me do some things for you, but he wasn't really truly prepared to do them. And of course, um, in the home, who do you most often go to as a man when you have, you have invited company over? Oh, by the way, dear, um, in about five minutes, we've got company coming for supper. So the bread wasn't cooked yet, was it? And so that becomes Sarah's problem. And apparently she did well with that. But, but even to me more significantly, um, he provides them some meat to eat, doesn't he? And, and at the time he makes the promise that meat's still walking around. Uh, so that's a pretty significant um, effort. effort right there to go find a tender calf and tell a servant, you get this fixed up, these guys are hungry, hurry up. Um, I I grew up in a small agricultural setting um, and um, saw a lot of self-sufficiency. Um, when I was at my youngest, both of my, grand, both of my grandparents had their own chickens and eggs and milk and beef and of those choices, I can see scrambling eggs and maybe fixing a chicken if you had a fryer ready. You can get it that ready fairly quick, although getting rid of the feathers is a real problem in short order. But uh, you could get there. When I think about picking on the beef, that's gonna be, I mean, they probably had a way, they probably were used to doing that quickly, but it's kind of, that sounds like a real stretch to me, but he gets it all done. Uh, And so he, he hurries around and when we look at uh, um, turn the page here when we, we look at verse 8 he brings these things and presents them to him um, 18 not 17 In verse 8 um, as we read it it says in the new American standard he took curds and milk and the calf which he had prepared and placed it before them and he was standing by them under the tree as they ate so Abraham really took a servant's role here. The servant doesn't eat with the, with the main people, right? The servant serves, and the people eat. And so he's there watching that. Now, what did he bring? Curds. What's that? Okay. What's interesting is that could be one of about three main categories of foods. Um, it could be curdled milk. Now, that doesn't sound like something we would drink, does it? Or eat, does it? Um, But um, curdled milk, cottage cheese, which to me is no different than milk that went sour, but for many of you, you like it. I get that. Uh, It could be cheese of the normal variety we think of. It could also be butter. This word would work for any of those. So we don't know if he brought bread and cheese, bread and butter, or bread and something like cottage cheese, probably. Um, but that's what he brought and placed it before them, and he 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 observed them eating. Rick, yes. I got a
2: question. Sure. In my my version, it identifies right up there in verse one. It says, "And the Lord appeared oh, to him." thank you. <coughs> okay. Yeah, and. And it all is <coughs> meaning God appeared to yeah, him. Yeah,
0: that's all correct. Right. I was going to. I, Drove right on by that. Thank you. Because in what Moses put down, it's clear to the reader that it is the Lord God Most High that's there. But what Abraham says doesn't necessarily say that that's what he was thinking.
2: Okay. Mine, I, I, Does yours
0: have capital L-O-R-D there too?
2: Mine has capital L-O-R-D in the first verse. And from yes on it goes to just standard L right and it refers to the I mean, he's, he's appeared to him before right at the door but then he looks up and he sees these three men walking down you know towards it. So my question was did the Lord appear to him and basically say, hey look look, I'm sending messengers in a sense.
0: So that's a possibility. Yeah. I mean honestly you can fit a lot of different <clears throat> scenarios on top of this. The Lord appears to Abraham and he sees him but, and then he sees those men off in the distance. But one reason that I personally think that the Lord was in with the three men or was one of the three characters men that, that's described as men that are seen here is I have a tough time thinking unless there was some conversation that's not recorded if God's at the door with you and there's three men over there I have a tough time thinking Abraham's going to leave the most high God to go try to get these three men to come in. So um, this there's some vagueness in this passage that we're not going to get completely past uh, about how did this interaction happen. You've got them described as three men. You know that God is there. There's some interaction between Abraham and God. Um, Abraham's Language to the three men doesn't indicate he knows it's God yet if he's in with the three men. So it's kind of some Ambiguity here. That's a little hard to get to a, a firmness Okay, does that, does that answer your question? Yeah, I'm really glad you asked that question because I <coughs> intended to bring some of that up and For whatever reason my I skipped over that in my notes here Any other questions so far? Okay so I'm moving down to verse 9. And so, and then they said, so I, I doubt if they said it in unison. I'm not quite sure why we have the plural they there. But one of them, or this group, communicated to Abraham, where is Sarah your wife? And he said, over there in the tent, because they're underneath the shade tree, right? And then he said, and we, we, we began to realize that there's the group and there's God. But th- we know this is God speaking at this point. Uh, at least it sure appears that way. He said, I will surely return to you at this time next year, and behold, Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now is this new news? What's new in this news? Maybe I should say it that way. Time frame. Time frame. He said in the last chapter, the child of promise will come through Sarah. Now we're getting a time frame put on top of it. Who did this get communicated to last time? Remember in, in chapter 17? Abraham. Abraham. This may be revealing to a small extent, maybe not at all, that Abraham and Sarah communicated like Ruth and I do too often. My parents will tell me something that's coming up and we've got to be a part of it and all this is going on. And then a few days later they'll be talking to my wife on the phone and they'll go, "Well, you're coming up on Sunday, right?" "No, I didn't know we were." Then, then you know, then you know the conversation that comes next, don't you? "Rick, when were you going to tell me about this?" "Oh, yeah, I forgot. I'm sorry." I'm struggling a little bit to see to think that Abraham didn't talk to Sarah, but it sure sounds like for the first time Sarah's taking it for real. I'm going to have a baby. But anyway, Uh, Sarah was listening at the tent door so she's not right in the middle of the mix but she's close enough she can hear and this tent door was behind him meaning to the back of the one speaking which I'm thinking is probably God at that point now Abraham and Sarah were old advanced in age she was past childbearing and Sarah had a reaction now I gotta ask a question about this (coughs) Imagine that you had the ability to take women well past the childbearing age. She's 90, right? And if you got a group of married 90-year-old women together, now maybe their lifespan was a little longer yet, I don't know what to say about that, but you know where I'm headed, and you got them all together and individually said, you're gonna have a child in the next, not, next year. Do you think laughter would necessarily be the first reaction? Uh but that says something because it was laughter, if she'd have said, Oh my goodness, I'm not up for this, if she'd have cried, Oh no, I can't handle it, or whatever, any other reaction than laughter, we might interpret a little differently, but because she laughed, what does that laughing mean? She didn't believe it. Are you kidding me? You're a gnat. I mean, that's kind of, that's a too strong of a way to say what's going on here, but that's kind of, Sarah's saying, no, I don't believe this. She laughed, her saying, after I'm old, shall I have the pleasure of having a child? My Lord's old also? So it's interesting who the Lord turns to here, and we know here now it's the God Most High, so I think we can. it's safe to say it was God that was speaking earlier. And the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I indeed bear a child when I am so old? And the question is, God gives it himself, its importance. Is anything too difficult for the God Most High? At the appointed time, I'm going to return to you next year, about this same time, and Sarah will have a son. Now at this point, Sarah changes her reaction. What does Sarah do when she hears the question to Abraham? Does Abraham ever, as recorded, answer that question? Yeah. No. Sarah starts talking. And what does Sarah say?
2: <coughs>
0: I didn't laugh. <laughs> Why did she say that? She Why would she be afraid? <coughs>
1: because she, she did she it in her heart. And What's that? She didn't do it out loud.
0: She did it to herself, whatever that meant. No I, and, and it may have been silent. She may not have said it out loud. Then again, I'm, I'm picking on Ruth and I a little bit this morning, but I've often heard Ruth say something, I go, what did you say? I was talking to myself. Don't, I don't wanna, you know, this really wasn't for you, so close your ears back up and go on about your business kind of, a, kind of a response, which it took me a lot of years to find out that was good advice, okay? <laughs> She didn't want to say it again to me. That's just fine. I'll let her have that. But um, so so she may have said it internally without any voicing of it. She may have voiced it lightly because she said she said to herself. Um, but uh, why was she afraid? Well, one thing is if if it was of the miraculous nature of God that he knew what she said, that would be a little bit frightening, wouldn't it? Uh, Okay, I'm dealing with something much more than just a common man here. (coughs) Why else might she have been afraid? If she said it loud enough that maybe it could have been heard, why would she still likely be afraid? That uh, he might take it away. Well, might take it away. I I think, what? Discipline? Well, I... Well, that could be, but I I think, I think it's in the question God asked because um, he said, is anything too difficult for the God most high? I mean, she's arguing in her mind or out loud with the God most high. And the God most high could react to that in any number of ways right now there's a promise to abraham so he's not going to poof, sarah's gone we'll find you a new wife abraham no he's already got a promise so that's going to continue but there can be consequences for arguing with the god most high there can be consequences for a lack of faith in the god most high doing what the god most high said he's going to do um, the classic is brought up in the book of hebrews about the the Israelites that went toward the promised land, but when they got there, they went, we can't do this. So God said, fine, you just pronounced your own prophecy. You won't do it. They tried again anyway and failed miserably, but they had to march around 40 years waiting on everybody that was of a certain age and above to die off so that they could go ahead and do it with a new group of people that would have faith. Do you think the second group of people had any willingness at all to think maybe it wouldn't work? Well, not that they're going to say out loud. They saw what happened to their, to their forefathers. So it's not a safe thing to do to question the God Most High. But Sarah said, I didn't laugh because, out of her fear. And he said, God said, no, but you did laugh. And so it just kind of stops there. Just like, I've corrected you. We're moving on. Any Any comments so far before we... Get off into the discussion with Abraham about Sodom and Gomorrah. Okay, well, let's, let's take a look at that. By the way, we ought to ask and answer that question. Is there anything that's too difficult for the God Most High? And, and yet, don't we often look at the future in despair? I mean, read Romans 8. You know if God's for you who can be against you what can separate us from the love of God all things work together for good to those that love God and yet we'll look at the future from time to time and go oh my goodness what what's going to happen and and I think there's some reality there this does, does, does Romans 8 mean that we have an easy existence that evil doesn't happen no so I'm not going to criticize us for recognizing that evil happens i'm not going to criticize us for trying to be prepared i'm not going to criticize us for trying to ward off evil things but in the midst of evil we still ought to be the most confident people on the planet we really ought to be the only confident people on the planet does that make sense so answering that question is a good thing to do from time to time and really remind ourselves there's nothing beyond what god can do and he's watching us and looking out for us and his purposes will be and always will be fulfilled uh, good question that God asked Sarah so let's go down to verse 16 now it never says it but apparently their feet are washed the meal is over they are refreshed and they're ready to move on and they've interacted with Abraham so he feels as like a servant who's been visited and the men rose up from there and looked towards Sodom and Abraham was walking with them to send them off, so he's being a good host. And the Lord said, Now here's the question that you can think about as we think as we look at what the Lord said. Shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? Since Abraham will surely become a great and mighty nation, and in him all the nations of the earth will be blessed. I've chosen him so he can command his children, his household after him, to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice so that the Lord may bring upon Abraham what he has spoken about him. So there through verse 19, God asks a question. Shall I hide this from Abraham? What, what do you think is being said here? I mean, who is God talking to? Is God talking out loud? we really don't know but it says said the Lord said now it didn't say said to himself or contemplated in his heart and, and I'm going to tell you that I went around and around with this a little bit trying to go what does this mean tried to read other people and learn from them but, but I really think God is like musing out loud to himself here in front of abraham probably for abraham's benefit this is kind of a rhetorical kind of a question it's almost like I, it's almost like if i were to turn turn it around to communicate another way of doing this would be the lord said i cannot hide from abraham what i'm about to do after all abraham's the important person we've chosen him he's going to be a father of nations all the nations of the earth are going to be blessed from him he's asked you're asked to take care of your family abraham so you need to know what I'm going to do I don't know I'm just trying to read this and kind of put it in the story into what would it have been like to really been there and and, and I have to think God probably said this out loud he probably didn't say it to any particular person but I would guess Abraham heard it so that Abraham could realize that he had a, a prominent enough place in God's plans for the future that he needed to know what's coming any of you have any thoughts on that? That certainly, welcome some good ideas there. Yes, sir. His,
2: his family down there. What's that? Abraham has family.
0: Well, he does lots there. Yeah. What were you going to say, Royce? Well, I think in
2: pre-creation about when he the Holy Spirit and they're kind of having a conference. The
0: three and one is kind of where my mind goes. Yeah. Very well. Very well. Could be. It may have been internal within that and. By the way, I didn't bring this up, but um, you could imagine. I don't know if I have any real evidence for it other than it doesn't mean it can't fit, is you've got God's, Abraham sees three men. Is that Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? I'm going to tell you I don't think so, and the reason, the answer for that's coming up. But for the moment, um, we'll just let that hang out there and I'll show you in a minute why I think that's probably not what I would say is the most likely, but because of the vagueness of the way Moses penned this, I suppose some of those things could be possible.
2: Oh, we, do know for
0: sure. we do know that God most high is there, yeah, right. because we've got that in, in, in what Moses gave us. So, he says, I, I'm not going to hide this from Abraham. And Um, what he says in verse 20 is the outcry of Sodom and Gomorrah is indeed great their sin is exceedingly grave I'm going to go down now and see if they've done entirely according to its outcry which has come to me and if not I will know now I think we need to talk about that a little bit it starts out with and says the outcry of Sodom and Gomorrah is indeed great what is that that he's talking about What is the outcry? Well, maybe there are some people that are praying and or speaking, but honestly, if you think about this a minute, who are the God followers in this area right now? Lot. Lot and Abraham. Abraham and their collective groups. Right their families, and we don't even know for sure how strong the, the ones beyond Abraham and Lot might be. So Binksy's communicating to Abraham, if Abraham was part of the outcry, then Abraham would already know something needs to be done at Sodom and Gomorrah, right? So when Cain kills Abel, What does God say to Cain when he visits him? Where's your brother? And what else? His blood blood what? Cries Cries out. And so I'm going to say to me, the best way that I can understand this is the evil that they're doing is rubbing God. By rubbing, I mean rubbing the wrong way. It is disturbing God. It's God saying... I cannot tolerate this and I would say that's most likely the outcry and he said this has come to me when something comes to God does it come with any inaccuracies no and I'm going to go down and see if it is what I think it is is there really a question here but when I get down there if it's I will know and I think what he's really doing is drawing Abraham into what's coming. We're going down to Sodom. What's the when we see the men get down there, what is the main purpose of these men's visit? And this is in next time, but why why are they going to Sodom?
2: Probably to destroy the sin.
0: Well, who do they go
2: find out well, to save Lot and his family?
0: they're down there to get the one family that they're going to save out. Um, because um, that's, what, that's what they do. They tell him what to do, then they themselves go away as well and the city's destroyed. We'll see that coming up. Um, but so God is saying, and he's, and he's talking himself, I'm going down there, we'll see what it is. If it's what I think it is or what I've been receiving from this outcry, then I will know at that point verse 22 something happens the men turn away from there so this is why I think it's not the trinity is we see in verse 22 that the men turn away towards Sodom but Abraham was still standing with God that language probably doesn't fit that that's the trinity there Those are servants of God in some fashion. I doubt that they're men. We never are told they're angels, but that would be my best guess or my best intuitive understanding of it. So the men have gone on, and Abraham came near to God, because God's still standing there with Abraham, and said, Will you indeed sweep away the righteous with the wicked? (coughs) Suppose there are 50 righteous within the city will you indeed sweep it away and not spare the place for the sake of the 50 righteous who are in it now all the way through abraham's encounter with god here abraham is working out of a paradigm that's just a way of looking at things and abraham has in his mind this if there's 50 people there are you going to destroy the fifty with the? I mean, you're going to destroy the city and thus destroy these fifty. Are are you really going to do that? Far be it. Abraham even kind of lectures God a little bit here, or at least says, "This is outside of my way I can c- comprehend you." Far be it from you to do such a thing to slay the righteous with the wicked, so that the righteous and the wicked are treated alike. Far be that from you. Shall not the judge of all the earth deal justly? So if we go back up to 22, 3, and 4, it is clear that Abraham understands that God's intent is when he goes down there, if that outcry is what he expects it to be, Sodom, at least, and Gomorrah, we know, are just done. They're toast. They're going to be wiped off, wiped out, gone. Won't be there anymore. And it's the people that will be wiped out. Now, Abraham's way of looking at that is that if you do that, the 50 are automatically going with the group. Now, as what God actually does when he takes Lot out, that's not the only way the problem could be solved, right? You could just say to the 50, take a hike. This place is toast. And, uh, but, but Abraham's got this concept he's working from that we're going to wipe out Sodom, and when you do, you're going to kill all the righteous people. And what if there's 50 of them there? And then he says, this, this grates against my sense of justice, God. This is not what I can expect from a, the just judge of all men to judge this way. So far be it from you to do that. So let's look at God's reply. So the Lord said, if I find him Sodom, 50 righteous within the city, then I'll spare, and it's clear key, key what he says here, the whole place on their account. So God said, well, if there's 50 there, I would be willing, Abraham, to go along with your paradigm. We'll leave them alone. 50 is enough to say, I'm not going to just wipe everybody out. I'm going And he says, that's not enough. I'm, gonna let, I'm not going to wipe anybody out. Now, God said, if there be 50... Were there 50? Did God already know there weren't 50? Yep. So, this encounter with Abraham is not to decide what's going to happen to Sodom or Gomorrah, is it? It's already. God already knows what's coming. This is God's way of taking Abraham into what's coming and showing Abraham he's a just God even when he wipes out Sodom and Gomorrah. And that even goes back to his comments at the beginning. Shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? He is a key player in our future. And because I've selected him for this role, he needs to know I'm just as I do this. So they continue with their conversation. In verse 27, Abraham replied, Now behold, I have ventured to speak to the Lord, which is a significant statement. It's not a small thing when you're face to face with God to say, I have an opinion. I have a thought. I have a request. I ventured to speak to the Lord, although I am but dust and ashes. He knows his place. Suppose the 50 righteous are lacking five. Will you destroy the whole city because of five? Interesting logic, isn't it? I have... I have been to auctions where the auctioneers got some bidding going on and it got way out of hand. I mean, I've seen things sell that I know I could go down and buy a brand new one for a lot less than what they're selling it at the auction, right? And then somebody will drop out and and he'll look at that person that dropped out and say, are you going to miss this for five bucks? Now, is that good logic? No, he's gonna miss it because he's not gonna give this astronomical price you've got him up to. It's not a $5 bill we're talking about, it's the whole price. Abraham kinda goes the same way with God here a little bit. Suppose they just don't quite have 50, they're five short. Are you gonna destroy the city because of five? The logic's not terrible in one sense. He's saying, well, just because there's five too few, you're still gonna wipe them out? And God turns it around and says, now we're we're gonna play this with real numbers. And he said, I will not destroy it if I find 45 there. And so he, meaning Abraham, spoke to him yet again and said, suppose there are 40. And he said, I will not do it on account of the 40. Then he, Abraham, said, oh, may the Lord not be angry, because he's going to stalk some more. And I shall speak, suppose there are 30. So God, please don't be mad at me, but I'm I, I, in my... I think Abraham is essentially saying, in my heart, I'm, I'm not done with this. This is still causing trouble. What if there are 30? And God said, I will not do it if I find 30. And he said, now behold, I have ventured to speak to the Lord. Suppose 20 are found there. And the Lord said, I will not destroy it on account of the 20. Then he said, oh, may the Lord not be angry. I shall speak this only one more time. Suppose there are 10. And he said, I will not destroy it on account of the ten. And as soon as he had finished speaking to Abraham, the Lord departed and Abraham returned to his place. So Abraham has this encounter with God where he finds out where God's limits are on this situation in Sodom and Gomorrah. You can tell that Abraham has not bought into that we know things are so bad in Sodom and Gomorrah they need to go. He said, there might be righteous people there. You know, he's not sure. He doesn't know. And so he works with God to try to move this number. And he gets it down to 10. And, of course, we know what's coming. We've all been, most of us at least, I imagine all, have been through the the Bible stories. Uh, they're going to go find out that, no, there are not even 10. Um, and so this encounter with God is is, I think, significant for several reasons. But one of them I want to go back and look at some things in verse 18 to kind of bring this into a perspective. Because um, where it starts out with, um, in verse 18, he says, it starts with the word sense. It means taking account of. It means recognizing that Abraham's going to become a and mighty nation. Um, should, I, should I keep this from him? In verse 19 it says, For I've chosen him. So in other words, he's putting significance on Abraham's role. And a little bit later, I've chosen him so that he may command his children. So Abraham has a purpose. And God says, Abraham needs to be in on this so that um this can happen and then it keeps going we see another so that in the new american standard anyway um uh, so that in the last part of the verse the lord may bring upon abraham what he's spoken about him in other words god says this conversation fits in with my purposes because of Abraham's place, so that the things that I planned for Abraham, the things that I have appointed him for, can truly be accomplished. And I think that gives us at least a hint that this situation with Sodom and Gomorrah would have been something Abraham would have a very difficult time understanding, and it would have been difficult for Abraham to move through that without having some second thoughts or so on. Um questions, comments.
3: I would assume that those five individuals the individual people not talking about Lot and his household. I mean it's just Lot, his wife, and his two girls that end up escaping. So it's not including any of the servants or anybody that he would have brought and established this town with, they all would be destroyed.
0: Yeah, and I think um Mm -hmm. I don't want to borrow too much from what's coming up in the next passage, but um, one of the things I think that was kind of clear when Abraham and Lot parted, why did, you know, Abraham gave him the choice. And why did Lot choose this area around Sodom? Because it was the best. Yeah, so is is Lot's thought process first, how do I best serve God? No, because no. No, they originally split because they argued. Well, they, they argued, argued, but... Yeah. But, but even then, I mean, you might have two businessmen close together related by family and their servants are arguing So go, we need a little more space between us. I mean, that could have even been done out of serving God. But when Lot made his choice, he, Lot was thinking about who? Amen. Lot, yeah. And so um, a man that's a bit self-centered, a lot self-centered, I don't know how strongly to stay that. say that, Is he typically the kind of person that's going to lead his household to be good God followers? No, because right out of the box, a very visible part of his character is, I'm competing for prominence in my life with God himself. It had been an entirely different story if Lot would have said, well, let's consult God, let's both pray and let's have God lead us to who should go where. Wouldn't that have been a little different kind of an event? But instead, Lot looks around and says, this is the best property, so I'm going there. And so I think we get a clue as to Lot's leadership. And as we look at what happened after the destruction of Sodom, we're going to see that Lot's leadership of his own family was at best ineffective, if not outright negligent. But that's coming another time. So when we see Lot being the only ones coming out, well, then that's that's a piece of that picture, I think. Mm -hmm. Any other comments? Um, Skip
2: that. You know, when Lot went to Sodom and Gomorrah, he took an entourage uh, Mm -hmm. of servants. Did they go in and populate?
0: the cities were already there and there's nothing in the scriptures about about how lots group that went with him how they where they went what they did how they were organized We, we don't get we don't get any of that um so does that answer your question um, we've got just a couple minutes left and being we've got the time I want to go to Hebrews chapter 11 it's easy to look at Sarah and um, be critical of her response to this situation now we don't know what Abraham had told her previously uh, if I was guessing I would say not much just based on the way she reacted uh, It was she didn't say well I've heard this before and still don't believe it I mean she her laughter. Um, and, and I think this should be very encouraging to us. I want to look at verses 8 through 12. You know Hebrews 11 is the faith chapter. Uh, we get to see the heroes of the faith. And if you keep reading through this, many of the heroes of the faith suffered greatly for their faith. They were sawn in two and many other disastrous things. And yet they're heroes of the faith, listed here in Hebrews 11. But this is the section about Abraham and Sarah. So let's read Hebrews 11, 8 through 12. Who will do that for us?
3: By faith, even Sarah herself a, a received ability to conceive, even beyond the proper time of life, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Twelve. Oh, therefore, even from <coughs> one man and one who was as good as dead at that, there were born descendants who were just as the stars, just as the stars of heaven, in number, and as innumerable grains of sand along the seashore.
0: So we could have laughed off of what we read about Sarah and wondered if she left believing or not. Because there's nothing in chapter 18 of Genesis that says anything but she laughed and she denied it. And God said, oh yes, she did, you laughed. Um, but when we get to Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews clarifies what really happened here. Because when we look at 11, of chapter 11 in Hebrews, by faith, even Sarah herself received the ability to conceive even beyond the proper time of life since she considered him faithful who had promised. And and I think that should be very encouraging to us. Um, How many of us live our Christian life and, and truly live it out and have the same faith after the years go by as we did when we first believed. Now, I'm not saying the way we would state it might be the same, but as we live out our lives, when we go through those periods of doubt and going, how's God going to work this out? This This is not right. This isn't what it should have been. I don't believe that it's going to work out well, or however you want to talk about it. And I don't mean health and wealth kinds of things. I just mean even in your spiritual being. Uh, We go through things that just try to knock the props out from under us. And we come out on the other side with stronger faith, don't we? Isn't that even what we see in James chapter 2? Consider it all joy when you encounter various trials. That the testing of your faith might produce endurance. And so I think we can look at Sarah and see the rest of the story, so to speak in Hebrews 11 that we can know from this encounter even though she started out on a little bit shaky ground, Sarah responded well and put her faith and trust in the promise of God and it indeed certainly was fulfilled questions, comments okay, well we will continue with chapter 19 next week or at least some portion of it, let me close with a word of prayer Father, we we look at what goes on in in Abraham's life as uh, he interacts with you and, and is given the promise and the covenants and all the great blessings that you give and yet he stumbles around a little bit and so does Sarah. Lord, we thank you for including the failures, the weaknesses of men in the scriptures And women so that we can see that our own weaknesses are something you still work with Lord thank you for showing us your patience in dealing with Abraham as he worked out with you his concerns about what it would mean for you to judge Sodom and Gomorrah and so Lord um, we can have faith and confidence and do have faith and confidence that as we stumble around and try to interact with you so we can understand things And move through life we appreciate your patience you are very patient you're very loving you are very gentle you are very firm and of course lord we know that you have justice and you also even have wrath when that's what's needed as we're going to see more about next week so lord lead us through this life Uh, move us through your word to trust you with the very depth of our hearts it's in jesus name we pray amen